Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, June 1st. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Gold has been bouncing up and down across the $1,300 mark all week. The price is currently below that level. As I record this podcast, gold is trading at $1,293.60, silver is at $1,647, and the silver-gold ratio is at 78.75. It's been another tug-of-war kind of week in the precious metal markets, safe haven buying driven by uncertainty over North Korea and the political unrest in Italy, along with trade policy has boosted gold demand. But the yellow metal continues to hit serious headwinds, including dollar strength and a widely anticipated June interest rate hike by the Fed that's right around the corner. The biggest news this week is that the on-again, off-again trade war seems to be on again. But this time, it's not China in Trump's crosshairs. On Thursday, the administration announced it is moving forward with tariffs on aluminum and steel imports from Canada, Mexico, and the European Union. The U.S. will impose a 25% tariff on steel and a 10% tariff on aluminum. The announcement ended a two-month exemption the Trump administration had given earlier. Of course, Canada and Mexico will retaliate. The American administration has made a decision today that we deplore and obviously is going to lead to retaliatory measures, as it must, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said during a news conference. Canada ranks as the largest supplier of steel to the U.S. Canadian Foreign Minister Krista Freeland said the country will impose tariffs covering $12.8 billion on imports from the United States, including whiskey, orange juice, steel, aluminum, and other products. Mexico announced what it described as equivalent measures on a wide range of U.S. farm and industrial products, specifically targeting pork legs, apples, grapes, and cheese, as well as steel and other products. Mexican officials said the tariffs will remain in place until the U.S. government eliminates its tariffs. I know some people listening to this news are saying, great, that'll show them. If you're one of those people, you really should rethink things. Yes, this might be good for U.S. steel and aluminum manufacturers, but it just means you're going to be paying more for things made out of aluminum and steel, not to mention the higher prices on all of the things Canada, the EU, and Mexico will slap retaliatory tariffs on. When you hear tariff, you should always think tax, because that's exactly what a tariff is, and nobody has ever taxed themselves into prosperity. There were a couple of other interesting items in the news this week that I want to cover today because I think they offer us easy-to-understand real-world examples of what Federal Reserve policy and rising interest rates are doing to the broader economy. Low interest rates encourage borrowing. That's the whole point of this monetary policy, and it works. We've had a decade of easy money. As a result, Americans have loaded themselves down with debt. Here's the problem. Some Americans are starting to have a hard time paying the bill. Total household debt hit a record $13 trillion in 2017. That's trillion with a T, eclipsing levels seen on the eve of the Great Recession. Americans have been burning up their credit cards. Revolving debt grew by $26 billion in the fourth quarter of 2017 alone, a 3.2% increase. Americans have run up nearly $1 trillion in credit card debt. Meanwhile, Flows into serious delinquency have increased steadily since the third quarter of 2016. The delinquency level for subprime credit cards is particularly concerning, having risen to a level higher than at the peak of the financial crisis. Smaller banks hold much of the subprime credit card debt, 
In order to compete with bigger banks, small financial institutions need to take on greater risk to build their credit base. As a result, delinquency rates tend to run higher for these small bank credit cards, and they are currently rising at an alarming pace. In fact, credit card delinquencies for more than 4,700 small banks rose to 5.9% in the first quarter of this year. That's higher than at the peak of the Great Recession, according to a recent Wolf Street article. Meanwhile, the credit card charge-off rate at these banks spiked to 7.99%, approaching the financial crisis peak of 8.78%. Delinquency rates are also creeping upward at the 100 largest banks. Now, consider, the last time subprime credit card delinquency rates were this high, the economy was in the midst of a massive recession, with unemployment spiraling toward 10%. Today, we're supposedly enjoying a robust economy with unemployment near historic lows. Something doesn't add up. So, now the Fed is pulling back the easy money punch bowl. Interest rates are going up. It doesn't take a PhD economist to know a rising interest rate on a big credit card bill is not good news. It means the payment is going to go up. So, these delinquency rates will likely rise higher as monthly minimum payments increase. Now, let's pivot to the housing market. Climbing interest rates are also putting the squeeze on mortgage refi. Applications to refinance home mortgages fell 5% last week, dropping to an 18-year low. According to CNBC, mortgage application volume was nearly 27% lower than a year ago when rates were lower. The refinance share of total mortgage application volume fell to its lowest level since August 2008, at just 35.3%. As Peter Schiff pointed out in a recent podcast, this is a bad sign for the broader economy. With rising rates, U.S. consumers will no longer have the option of using their house as an ATM. This is a bigger problem than you might think because Americans have been using home refi as a lifeline that's enabled them to keep on spending. Think about it. Why would you refinance your mortgage? Generally, it's because you can reduce your monthly payment. It means more money in your pocket to spend on a month-to-month basis. And you can also use mortgage refi to take cash out of the equity in your home, kind of like an ATM. You can then spend that money on home improvements, a new car, a vacation, a computer, whatever you want. With interest rates pushing down and held artificially low by central bank monetary policy, home refinancing helped fuel consumer spending over the past decade. But now, the Federal Reserve has pivoted and it's tightening. In other words, it's turned off that easy money spigot. It's taking away the punch bowl. So, if interest rates have already risen to the point where the option is no longer on the table, it's like a lifeline is gone. And now if you're a consumer and you're kind of tapped out, there's no relief. There's no way to get extra money by reducing your mortgage payment or by taking cash out of your ATM, otherwise known as your house. That's a big problem for a bubble economy. Consumers can't keep spending if they can no longer free up spendable income by refinancing mortgages. Consumers can't keep spending if their credit cards are maxed out and they can't even make their minimum payments. Of course, a decrease in consumer spending is not good news in an economy driven by consumer spending. When we look at what's going on with mortgages and credit cards, we can see the direct effect of rising interest rates. This phenomenon is going to repeat itself across other sectors. Corporations are levered up on easy money. 
governments are levered up. And it's all intentional. The Fed created this, and now the Fed is trying to reverse course. It's trying to push rates up. After all, you can't drink punch forever. You know, it's not really good for you. The central bankers know they can't keep the easy money policies in place forever. If they do, they won't have any punch to serve during the next crash. So they're pushing rates up. They're normalizing, as they call it. The thing is, they're going to cause the next crash. They're going to burst the bubbles they've blown up. This is just a repeat performance of 2006. It's just that nobody has realized it yet, or at least very few people have. In other news, with the price of gold falling below that psychologically significant $1,300 mark last month, it looks like Americans might be in more of a buying mood. Sales of American Eagle gold coins increased in May by 433% from April, and they were the highest May sales since 2015, according to data released by the U.S. Mint. Considering what we're seeing with the Fed, trying to normalize rates, and the impact it will likely have on the economy, this may be a great time to buy gold and silver. Once the bubbles start to pop, I think you'll see the price of gold move up pretty fast. To learn more, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metals Specialist today. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. That's 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast over at iTunes for free. There's a link on our show notes page. I really appreciate you listening to the show. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Friday.